keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> total. Marks with Dan St. Germain. Welcome to everybody to Total Evan Marks. Welcome to everybody. My name is Dan St. Germain. I'm here with Robert Carpolis, Scott Chaplin, and Zach Attack. How's everybody doing? Just Woo. swell, baby. Just swell. Um, let me actually shit put in some headphones as you guys. We got a big week coming up, a lot to talk about. Just to let you guys know, coming up a little later in the show, uh, Greg Hyde, aka Stack Guy Greg from Cheap Heat, is going to be on to say hi for a couple topics. So we're looking forward to that. But uh, number one, and probably uh, the uh, biggest news this week, this this premiered, I think, a couple hours after our podcast. Um, but uh, Jericho on Talk is Jericho. Uh, then, uh, then donated to, then it was revealed that he, along with The Undertaker, donated to Trump. And uh, then Road Dog and Shane Helms got into a fight over face masks on Twitter. Uh, and uh, Ali gets disqualified from the retribution match. Is Vince, book, Vince Russo booking 2020? That's my question. This was the craziest, <laughs> like, political week as far as wrestling because it's just so... It's insane to me that you have Andrew Yang on your podcast and then and then you donate to Donald Trump like that same week. I guess he's just trying to keep all the Jericho Hallics on both sides of the aisle. I'm not sure. Well, no, it's just Jericho cares about himself, right? And right. Andrew Yang is anti-WWE. And so Jericho's got to have him on to shit on Vince, to act like it's a fucking prison there. And then he's got to donate to a guy who uh, keeps kids in cages. <laughs> but because Jericho won't have to pay higher taxes, you know, so it's worth it. Dan just got bit by his tiny dog. Yes, because his, his dog's a pro-Trump pro dog, and the dog fucking knows. With this, if you're wondering why, why, why Dan's been scuffling the last three minutes, it's because his dog is just attacking him. <laughs> His True. fingers smell like his treats, probably. Look, there's no way Vince Russo is booking 2020 because this COVID storyline's gone on way too long. He would have blown it off <laughs> in month two, and right. it would have been like a it would have been a big reveal that Rikishi yeah. caused it. They would have um, put a, they would have put the touty on fi- title on Fauci for no reason. <laughs> no, you would have thought Fauci was going over, and then you know Trump swerves him in the end. Uh, look, Jericho, it's like in WCW there was the Millionaires Club. Jericho is part of the four hundred thousand dollar club where he doesn't want to pay higher taxes. So now he's going to secretly try to support Trump while, <laughs> while putting Andrew Yang on. I also think Jericho is getting to the age where he realizes he's going to be in management soon. And the idea of wrestlers no longer being independent contractors probably scares the shit out of him. He doesn't want to ruin the fucking gravy train that he's on with AEW. Uh, the crazy thing was, did you guys read the back and forth with Road Dog and Shane Helms? 
yeah, yeah. that was uh, that was that was actually I, I was surprised that Shane Helms came because I, I did a show with Shane at Starcast like a year and a half ago, and I made a lot of inappropriate jokes there. But he was still working at WWE for the time, and he was very very nice. But he wasn't laughing at the more fucked up jokes. But he also wasn't calling me out. It was like very like he was very diplomatic. So I was I was actually surprised <laughs> to see him go after uh, uh, Road Dog as much as he did. Uh, maybe he knows he's not coming back and he's like, fuck it. I'm just going to say what I want to say. But road, road dog taking the stance of not wearing a mask. Does that surprise anybody? No. Like that, that felt very on brand for him. But, but it wasn't like uh road dog didn't come off angry. He's just like, yeah, some people want to wear it. Like I, I didn't understand the major issue. I, I get Helms calling him out. But then, like, Meltzer is, like, quote-tweeting him, like, man, you owned him. Great job, Shane. And it's like, <laughs> nothing really happened. Like, they so had an confirms, argument that in person it wouldn't fucking matter. This confirms Shane Helms is going to AEW then if Meltzer's <laughs> quote-tweeting him. <laughs> well, Helms should. Now, you worked with Helms, right? I did work with Helms, yeah. He seems like he would be a great like uh, backstage producer helper. Is he not? So I, I worked with him when he was a wrestler, but I got him at a point in time where, and I've told Shane this uh, after he was such a dick when I worked with him at that point in time. And he was, he was not, he was not in a happy place, but he was absolutely miserable to work with. And when I, when I caught up with him years later at a, at a Wale mania or something, we talked about it for a while. And he's like, it's like, yeah, I was, I was going through a, a time uh, where he, he just wasn't very happy, but he, he's an excellent producer. He knows how to get over uh, a story and, and tell it pretty coherently. Um, but he has very, he doesn't really have a poker face. So if something is absolutely god awful, he's going to say it, and that doesn't really work well in, in uh, WWE. Which which transitions to our, our boy Ali. I don't know if you saw what he tweeted a couple hours ago. No, um, I did. I haven't checked out the new news. I wanted to include him in it just as kind of a joke, but honestly, it's you know, <laughs> he's he's had he's had some of the craziest storylines of 2020. So. So yeah, so somebody tweeted to him and said, you must be sick of people telling you how awful retribution is. And he wrote, no, I love it. Yelling at performers about a show they don't write makes me smile. <laughs> so, you know, like at this point, the, the booking for retribution is so beyond bad that it's almost turning the corner again where it's kind of comically <laughs> fun. Like how awful this can wind up for them that they, they are the keystone cops of the WWE. I will say that I have not been nearly as annoyed by retribution as I have the dark order, but that's because the one, the, the one real positive quality that Vince has that Tony Khan doesn't have is Vince will pull Vince will pull will, Vince will cut bait on almost 99% of the ideas. As long as they don't have like Roman Reigns or John Cena in the title, he'll be like, this isn't working. Yeah, but he it. hasn't cut bait yet. He hasn't. He hasn't, though. They're still there. Retribute. Oh, come on. Sounds dude. like you're biased as fuck, Daniel. Uh, oh, look at Tucker Dark Carlson. Is better than Retribution. <laughs> dude, give me a break. This last week, it, they might as well not have been there. Almost every single booking. They had Retribution lose in every single way you can lose. They lost from a DQ this week. I mean, this was this was a out of control. They're they're so beyond just dead on arrival at this point that they they need to they need to cut bait and let them go back to normal. But it, it's it's funny because it's kind of like Vince is the shitty rich kid 
that gets a toy and gets sick of it the next day because he knows he can go buy another one and just discards it. Tony Khan's like the poor orphan kid that has one broken, sad <laughs> doll, which is Dark Order. It's like, no, it's really cool. It's missing an eye and there's no stuffing, but it's just as good as anything else. And I'm going to keep going with it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I thought it was just a it was just a really interesting week as far as um, the back and forths backstage with wrestling. Uh, as far as um, having Andrew Yang on his podcast, it, it didn't Jericho have Donald Trump Jr. on a couple of months ago? Like, I guess he really doesn't care. He did, but he remember he also did the Sturgis Rally, which was which is not exactly right. a super left leaning event. No, of course um, not. It, it doesn't surprise. There's lots of guys that are are quasi closet Republicans or, or somewhat more out about it. Uh, some of them because they just they don't trust the government in the same way they don't trust bookers. I think right. it's just it's a byproduct of being in wrestling. You just don't trust anyone, and that's, they want to be able to keep their money. That's the thing, though. It's like here's the thing: is like with Road Dog, I kind of understand why he's a Republican. You know, it's like all right, this guy's like a he's a war vet. His his family's in the in the wrestling business. This makes sense. But Jericho, you're from a country with socialized medicine. You should at least somewhat. <laughs> See, see some of the benefit here, especially like watching like, you know, some of these poor guys fucking drop dead. But I, I, I you know, like I said before, I don't th- I, I think that the, the question is whether or not it's a real freelance situation. And right now, WWE isn't in a real freelance situation. So before you can even have the conversation of a wrestling union, we're not even really seeing what a real freelance wrestling job is because, you know, that's not what WWE is. No, they're they're employees that aren't allowed to call themselves employees, and yes. you can't challenge it. And anybody that does try to challenge it gets gets stomped out. And Yang is the, I mean, in my opinion, probably the highest profile wrestling fan who's been put into a position to try to do something about this. Because there's no way Trump was going to go after Vince for it, and most of the other politicians, they like they have actual issues to worry about. Like Obama wasn't concerned he's like well I'm, there's a we're coming into a recession i gotta find obama or sorry osama bin laden but you know what fuck it let's worry about whether or not wrestlers <laughs> are independent contractors what's what's worry let's worry about who's the real ultimate warrior did he die um oh, it was biden biden was, was the biden. original warrior and i do if you guys want to if you guys want to have a blast though check out andrew yang goth photos i didn't realize there's just a ton of he had like a goth phase and like college and shit oh that's amazing like eyeliner and like a like a choker and stuff it's really funny how is this dude so fucking interesting after he ran for president was mind-numbingly boring like watching him speak at these debates is like this guy must be fucking interesting before that because the least he's actually good on a podcast the least interesting thing he is is when he's a public speaker he's really boring exactly Um, had i known this guy was a wrestling fan and like had a weird goth phase like this would have been way more interesting (laughs) than this dude likes math and he wants to send me a check for like a thousand bucks uh yeah well i I would have liked that either i mean honestly giving somebody a thousand dollars that's the most wrestling way to get your vote ever like we're not going to give you a union, but here's a thousand dollars. No, like, the oh, most great. wrestling thing ever is to tell everyone you gave them a thousand dollars. They never send you the check. Yeah, or say like, or tell tell them I got a thousand from this guy. <laughs> and then you get. <laughs> well, I got All two right. thousand from Thailand. Well, anyway, I thought I thought uh, uh, number two, you know, thinking about Jericho, thinking about uh, Shane Helms. What wrestler? What wrestler besides The Rock has the best chance of winning public office and which office? I'll start out 
I think Kane has a good chance of being governor. I think it's actually very possible. I don't think, I actually think it's, it's going to be the opposite. He's not charismatic enough to ever, you know, like get through a Republican primary for president, but I could see him becoming, um, yeah, I could see him becoming governor, uh, you know, Tennessee or something. I don't know. What, what about you guys? Well, I always heard Raven is like super intelligent. Um, and, and, and so I'd like to see him do something because I'd like to see intelligent people in, in positions like that. But I mean, other than that, I think Eddie Kingston should run for mayor of New York. <laughs> that would be amazing. Could you Dude, just to like the de Blasio yeah. Kingston debates? Oh my gosh. I mean, he would just put, he would revive it so much. <laughs> and it is really what New York needs right now, which is a, an authentic New Yorker. Uh, I, I think he would, <laughs> be amazing and he's yeah. still you know we need somebody who's puerto rican like, but also maybe racist yes exactly <laughs> like yeah like he says black lives matter but like you know he's also said other things you know black lives matter <laughs> except for you chandra you know what you fucking did yes yes yes, <laughs> yes. Exactly. i want to vote for someone who still has a beeper <laughs> uh. well because it would be like it would be in that first debate like de Blasio would be like I grew up with members of the black community the gay community he goes you grew up with members of gays and blacks I grew up with drug addicts and alcoholics and that was just Teddy Hart again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean I think there were two names that came to mind uh the first I, I think MJF would do amazing running for public office because his persona on TV, if you tweak it slightly, he is a politician. He's just, he's loud and over the top, but he can do fake sincerity really well. Uh, and then the the honest, earnest one, I, I thought about this for a while. I mean, not for a while. I, I had other shit to do. I wasn't wandering around all day, but uh, I could see Daniel Bryan getting elected governor of Washington. I think he's got that super, uh, you know, environmentalist, left-wing ideology that 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 plays well within the Pacific Northwest. He can cut a tremendous promo, and I think he's got that that personality that a state like Washington would wind up getting behind a guy like Brian. Yeah, I actually I actually wrote that down too, uh, Daniel Bryan. And do you guys remember when Cody was going to run for something in like Texas, something weird like that? It was when he was still in Ring of Honor. It was before, right before All In, or maybe during All In. He he was gonna run for something, and it kind of fell through. And I don't know, that was a little strange. But I could see Cody running for something, uh, and you know, showing who he really is. Like some people <laughs> being absolutely shocked with uh, what he would like <laughs> to happen in in his state. Uh, but yeah, Cody for sure. Yeah, Dan O'Brien, I think, would be a really good governor, but, I, you know, actually, I think he could probably win. He, you, you think at this point, there would be some dirt that would come up about that guy. And I haven't, I don't think I've heard one story about that guy being anything less than fair. It's the advantage of being incredibly boring. Like, he's just a genuine, <laughs> right. like, he's, he's a, any of the wrestlers I've ever dealt with who were, 
not boring, but just there, there's there's not a lot of real controversy to them. It's not like Brian was a, a horrible drug addict or has, you know, a million rats on the road. He just seems like a very, I'm going to keep to myself. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to go do my job. And then I'm going to go put on a cozy sweater and drink some kombucha. Right. He loves wrestling too much to, to be involved in anything else, or at least, you know, he used to. Well, we didn't get to this on a 10 count. My, my 10 count was kind of dumb this week. I've, I've, I looked at it. I was like, the first one. <laughs> yeah, say that 10 minutes into the show. Take Sorry that, guys. You've already listened. You're not yeah, yeah. Just, Well, the first one, I was now. like, the Trump, Andrew Yang, Road Dog, Shame Helms, and Ali Disqualifying. None of these really have anything to do together. I don't know what it was. Yeah, it was, it's like a, that REM end of the world song. Yeah, yeah. It really, it really like, was. And Lenny Bruce is not afraid. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Is it, yeah, it does feel like Billy Joel. We didn't start the fire by the end of it. <laughs> Look, if really you guys bad. feel cheated, I, I think uh, you can All go right. listen to the Joe Rogan podcast and uh, he has Alex Jones on. So that's way better than what we're doing here. You can learn oh, all about how right. vaccines are a hoax. <laughs> that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I, I, Maybe this oh, is why Joe Rogan won't do our podcast. Fuck him. I enjoyed that episode. Of course I, you did. I haven't. You know I, I, did, I have baby. not. I have not listened to that episode. It's great. It's yeah, great. I didn't include. I didn't include this uh, because we, we talked about this on Sunday, but briefly on our Patreon Patreon plug. Uh, but uh, apparently, this is Daniel Bryan's last run. So, well, as a full time wrestler, right? As a full time wrestler, sure. Yeah. So maybe he'll come back and like, you know, the way Dusty used to come back. I, I don't know. He'll come back if he gets the itch or if he winds up getting divorced from Bree and has nothing else to do. Right. Like th- this is a good fallback. He's not going to suddenly go to Hollywood and start becoming an actor. No, God, no. He, um, so this is, this is what he's got. I, you know, I, I'm hoping he's saved money and invested well and he can, I, I don't think he'd be a great producer though. I feel like he's one of those guys where, He's, he's it's like Ricky Steamboat. He's really good at what he does in the ring, but he can't just explain to him, like, just do what I'm doing. Just be absolutely incredible, right. and that's all you need to do. Well, apparently he's in a lot of the WWE creative meetings now, so I don't know if they're transitioning him to that or, or whatever it is. But He suffered enough traumatic brain injury to, for me to <laughs> want him to be on creative full-time. That's the, that's the only reason, like, he brings a new set of eyes to it is because every week he – it's like the storylines are new to him. He's like, wait, what are we doing? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, what's number three? Halloween Havoc results. Let's get to it. The first Halloween Havoc in 20 years last night on NXT. Um, we're going to go through the show. First off, I guess we'll just start it. Start off with Zach. Zach, what do you think of the show overall? If you had to give it a grade. Ooh, uh, I did like some of it. I really love the main event. And uh, the Gargano uh, priest match again was was fine for what it was. Right. Uh, I'll give it a a solid B minus. Wow, that, that's not that great. Yeah, it's- I was. I think we're gonna go B plus or something. Well, it got uh, it, it it got eight hundred and seventy six thousand viewers. It's the highest um, the highest ratings uh, increase that they've had, and and. Very long, very long time. If not, um, yeah, it surged by two hundred thirty-two thousand viewers from the prior week. So, uh, and NXT did pretty good too. It got seven hundred eighty-one thousand. Didn't do as well. AEW. As, I'm sorry, AEW didn't. It didn't do as well as NXT, but they still did really well. Let's start out. Uh, the first match: Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano uh, in a um, 
who was the stipulation of this? Not not weapons wild man. Devil's playground match. Yes, it's just a street fight. It's, a street but fight, it's right? Halloween, so it's the Devil's Playground. Yeah, but Velvet, <laughs> Velveteen Dream heard Playground. He kind of wanted to get in on the match. They told him no. Well, the big story is who was behind the Executioner's Mask? Uh, who uh, who in, who cost uh, Damian Priest the match, allowing uh, Johnny Gargano to then hit him with a tombstone? I guess they All got you have to do is like anybody us. over five foot seven. It's not. I mean, <laughs> which, it, which is like sixty percent of the uh, roster. Yeah, right. But I mean, it was Austin Theory, right? Like that's that's the payoff for the whole Gargano talking to Theory and then Theory quote unquote quitting last week. Like this, this has got to be the payoff for it. Yeah, I just want him to wrestle in it. I love the idea of a guy who looks that good just wrestling as the scream guy. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that makes sense that it would be Austin Theory. Um, maybe that's their this way of rebranding awesome. him. This match was very, very good. I thought it was okay. I, I liked uh, – hey, props to whoever was in the props department because that <laughs> that wheel did not um, did not fall over during that hanging DDT or whatever. I, I was kind of nervous about that. Dude, this shit was so fun. I mean, I loved this entire episode, and I know we're going to break it down slowly, but uh, – there's a reason the ratings were so good. And it's like, there's nothing Halloween on TV right now. Uh, AMC is showing the same shit they always shown. And then they like added like Jeepers Creepers and shit that right. nobody wants to watch. Um, I recommend, every- uh, Scott, have you watched MSNBC recently? Because it's pretty <laughs> <fucking> terrifying. <laughs> well, yeah. And so exactly. Everything is so focused on the damn election that a lot of people don't realize it's like, even if we only want it for this week, people want to watch Halloween shit and uh, it showed in the ratings. And I loved that almost everything in this show had some Halloween elements to it. However campy they may, I mean, one of my favorite Halloween movies is Ernest Scared Stupid. So this was like right up my fucking alley, just campy and This is like a foreign film compared to that. Dude, when he he opened the casket and the little thing came out and he kicked it, that was awesome. He got so angry. He was like, what is, what is that? Like, it was um, so fun. This was, this was my favorite Damien Priest match. Um, Oh, for sure. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And then what was weird was at the end of the match when they push him off the stage and he goes through all the, the cinder block stuff and he's covered in soot. He looked exactly like Vampiro. And I was like, holy shit, now I can't unsee that. What kind of threw me, though, was they had the guitar guy playing Damien Priest out, and the guitar guy was bigger than both him and Gargano, which completely distracted me. Like, this big fucking jacked-up dude with a beard. It was like Man Mountain Rock was back. Yeah, what's so weird about... um, I've noticed, like, Vampiro and Tommy Dreamer have very similar shoot interviews, because, like, almost every shoot interview, it, it... goes into them talking about how many chicks they fucked back in the day like and there's no there's no reason for it at all and you're like oh duluth they have the hottest girls like no they don't somebody fucked you from duluth was vampiro ever like the guy was in mexico in mexico he was yeah really in mexico he was a huge he was a huge wrestler in mexico like one of the biggest he was like mexico sting or something but whoa um next up we have uh yeah i thought the match i didn't love the match i I, I didn't love damian priest's offense but johnny gargano can basically do no wrong for me and i thought the set was fucking amazing the set was so cool and they they, you you should see the yards in my hometown then if you thought that was amazing it's just a bunch of white lives matter posters (laughs) 
by far the best part of this match uh, was the referee accidentally giving the two minute time cue till commercial loud where he's like, guys, two minutes, two minutes, let him know two minutes to commercial. And you could tell somebody was screaming in his ear right after because the look on his face of sheer terror as he's touching his ear was absolutely fucking brilliant. Um, that that poor guy, I can imagine what he what he got when he walked back <laughs> through the curtain afterwards, but just complete fucking fear. They do. I mean, it's amazing how well of a job they do, though. Like, we always are like, oh, we can hear him call the match. Like, if I was wrestling a match, you would hear my, I'd be like, clothesline. Right. Go hold. <laughs> you know, the whole thing would be yeah. must telegraph. Uh, next up, Pat McAfee introduces the group that will take over NXT. Uh, Pat McAfee, man, I love this promo. I think the reason that I love this promo is, you know, there's been a certain... There's been a certain thing that we've got from great promos this year, whether or not it's Randy Orton or Eddie Kingston or Edge, and and they all have like this degree of realism. Pat McC- Pat McAfee has the opposite of that. He like goes back to Bobby the Brain, like old school, like calling internet, you know, like you know, internet fans jerks and all this other like very old school '80s shit. And I also think like when you have a brand that's NXT that's all about work rate. It's really good to have somebody like Pat McAfee who brings in a much-needed sports entertainment element to it. What did you guys think about the promo? I thought it was awesome. Uh, it was third favorite promo of the week, unfortunately, because Moxley and Kingston are, are killing it. But, uh, damn, I think he's good. And, and to the Heenan comment, uh, that is true, but I, I never even thought that because it really does come off like that's his personality. Like he's just out here calling people jerks. I thought it was a home run. Um, yeah. yeah, him him calling the internet wrestling fans bums. Uh, he It's clear that he loves what he's doing and that they they give him a little bit of leeway. And even in small things, like when the, then Birch and uh, Lorcan didn't have microphones, he's like, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is the disrespect. And he laid everything out, and he, he seems like he's just having a ton of fun. And what's great for the WWE is on his, his, show, his YouTube show today, uh, which has a huge audience, he was talking about his involvement with NXT and how it's, yeah, you know, it's like, I'm still going to talk about football on my show and all this, but at the same time, you know, I, I love what I mean. He's like, I'm a wrestler who's talking about football here. Like he is, he is going wow. all in and he is a major media figure outside of the wrestling world. Uh, he's big on college game day. He's big on his YouTube show. He's got the Sirius XM show, having him not only part of NXT, but as a full on character who loves it, is the kind of mainstream shit that the WWE desperately, desperately needs. And he will bring eyeballs to the product. How, how many viewers do you think he could actually bring now? They won this week. I think he's, I think given that's, that not, why they won, though. I, that's not why they won. Uh, pro- prove me wrong. I'm kidding. I'm just <laughs> Look, I, I think that Barstool has a huge audience. And if people want to tune in to see the shit that he's doing, if his clip this week goes viral and he's like, look, I'm going to be on next week. He can push some people to the to the show and get eyeballs on it and then vince during the uh the the q3 uh earnings report today said look ratings may be down but we're getting audiences in different in different platforms in different ways so if pat mcafee becomes clickbait for youtube clips of wwe that's going to be considered a win for him and they drew they had tremendous financials for the third quarter so they don't give a shit that ratings are down if McAfee is going to bring people in to care about the product in any way, shape, or form, they're going to be happy. 
Well, I, I do agree that I th they definitely don't care that ratings are down, especially for that show, because I don't think Vince in particular cares that much about that show in general. Um, fuck, what was I going to say about that, though? But I, I, I don't think it's like... I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think Pat is going to bring that many eyes to the show. I think people are going to go, oh, cool, and like maybe check out... like the youtube clips which uh if that's what vince is flaunting i don't know how i mean unless you're bragging about like oh no people pirate our shit though like you could say that like no there's websites where people watch it illegally you could say that but to go like our youtube views are up what does that even mean yeah it's it, it, it's it, it's not like the whole show is posted on youtube it's like random clips and like remember when like the most viewed ones were like the lana and bobby lashley thing like it I, I just don't see how that it means anything. I think people just click on shit and watch a little bit of it and then don't care about it. They pick and choose ways in which they declare victories. And that's like when they do those, like, did you know they have 50 billion, you know, Instagram followers. It, it's just, it's things that you can spit to Wall Street that Wall Street thinks matters in some way, shape or form. And it distracts. Yeah, it just seems empty. But it, it's it's empty and it's hollow to to us, but we're watching the show anyway. If there's at least, you know, if one twentieth of, of Pat McAfee's audience decides, hey, I'm going to tune into NXT to see what's going on, or his co-hosts and him were putting over how awesome Danny Burch is on their show, and they get huge numbers on YouTube, so now all these people have no idea about wrestling. They now who do not know who Danny Burch is, and it may by default make him somewhat of a bigger star. That's why they always are WWE's always whores for mainstream media attention. That's why Maria Menounos being involved in stuff was big because oh she's going to plug us on Access Hollywood so that you know your mom knows about WrestleMania. There yeah. is, yeah, there is. That's true, but it's also there is still a ceiling. Like the reason the Tyson, you know, the the, the reason the Tyson thing got a ton of views, like you know when they did that WrestleMania 14, was that like the story was Tyson coming back anywhere. It wasn't like it wasn't just because it was you know Mike Tyson. It was that. Like he was part of the storyline. So hopefully, I mean, obviously this is not nearly as big of a deal as that, but hopefully they learned their lesson that you can't just like, you know, like put LT in a match and expect it to generate a huge buy rate. Um, this, uh, we're going to skip uh, Santos Escobar versus Jake Atlas, unless anybody has anything to add there. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. I, this was like the one thing I wasn't crazy about on the show because it was so damn short. And I think Atlas. It's a weird thing match. to put in that match, too. Just dumb. Just don't do it. Just don't do it if, if that's what it's going to be. It was like, yeah. what? It, it wasn't even four minutes. Next, we have the Haunted House of Terror, Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis. Uh, I said this before the podcast Cameron Grimes deserves the chicken shit and the chicken salad award. Uh, it, it was like they took. All the leftover remnants from other, uh, you know, cinematic matches and whatever shit they didn't use, they just threw it in this match. Because <laughs> at times it felt like, it definitely never felt like a haunted house. It felt like, you know, almost like backstage at Bush Gardens. That's kind of what it felt like the entire, <laughs> the entire time. It didn't, it felt like, you know, like the, I didn't know who these zombies were. At one point there was a chicken fight where Dexter Wimmis put him on his shoulders and, you know, it was, uh, but, but Cameron Grimes himself, man, that guy, that guy, you know, made me watch the entire thing. There was not one time, you know, where I 
stopped watching it because I was bored. I was like, he just this, he has this thing about like this AJ Styles eastbound and down character, like befuddled redneck thing where I want to keep watching just to see like, oh man, how am I going to get out of this one? That's almost every single move for that guy. What what did you guys think? He's a guy that you want to see get uh, spooked by ghosts, you know? (laughs) Like, he just seems like somebody who should be in a Scooby-Doo episode. And so I did like it for that. I thought he was awesome. I think Dexter Loomis fucking stinks, man. I don't know what you saw on him. Uh, Doesn't do it for me. He has a great look. Ah, come on. Michael Hayes, though, like, that that was my issue, and it's my issue with a lot of WWE's, like, funny moments, is they literally don't make sense like you just go what the fuck was that like that's their sense of humor is like confusion but to be fair i actually i i agree with what you're saying usually i hate that but if there's anybody who's going to come in out of the middle of like a white van during a haunted house angle not knowing where he is it's going to be michael b hayes dressing (laughs) in viscera's uh sweepwear (laughs) <laughs> I think he called him Michael B. Hayes. Like it's Michael B. Jordan and Michael P. S. Hayes merged <laughs> together. That's his, that's his that's woke right, moment. <laughs> I, look, I, I think uh, Cameron Grimes was wildly entertaining. His his playing, you know, terrified and in and and Dan, just to clarify, that was just a regular Wednesday night in Orlando. Like there was nothing <laughs> spooky about that shit. Um, his, his whole like trying to boast himself up. He's like Loomis, you're 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 not. I'm not in this house with you. You're in this house with me. It was like it was just it was so entertaining on on his part. Um, he he really he knocked it out of the park on that, and he's he's wildly entertaining. And I'm hoping that WWE sees that there's more to him, uh, and not just we're going to keep him in in this realm. But I, I will give it to William Regal. This made me think back to the Regal to Jerry stuff years ago. He plays such a great straight man in these situations uh, of forcing Grimes out there. It's he, his comedic timing is excellent. There's something yeah. about a baby face general manager. They just last longer for whatever reason, I guess, because they're not as invasive. Um, well, yeah, because they're not rushing to, to, you know, him getting his ass kicked or him right. or, or finally the good guys being irritated with him. Rhea Ripley Dude, there was a zombie in this match, by the way. You got to mention that. There's a zombie referee. There was several zombies. Loved it. I liked that. I, I liked when, when when it got to the ring, and uh, even that was, uh, you know, fright nighted out. It was very Bush Gardens. Yeah, it was yes, very not not scary farms. It was, but yes. Cameron Grimes in with the the shining shower scene. Where he's like, I didn't know Loomis has a sister as he's slowly undressing to get in the shower. Like, this is appropriate in 2020, but it was just, it was adorable. It's very like, you know, like when you go to a garden center in October and they're like, we have a spooky hallway here. You just, it's $2. To get a like some shitty garden center. He looked like he really needed that shower too. That was <laughs> like, he definitely looked like he was uh, all night gumbo cooking in, in the van. Uh, Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez. I have really nothing to say about this match. It was there. It uh, was there. They're 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 good. I thought it was better than I thought it was going to be. Is that fair? I think that's fair. And yeah, our, our our main event, Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae. Um, I liked their match. Their last match a little bit better. I, I guess I'm in the minority on that. Must be. I, I still think it was a good match. Um, I do wish my my little my my only problem with Io Shirai is I wish that they focused on her a little bit more 
you know, like, I don't know if there's been one real storyline just having to do with her. Like, you know, like, uh, I, I understand, like, in New Japan, the, the big storyline that had to do with Naito was evil, and it's been the stinkiest storyline they've had in the main title picture from forever. And so they haven't made that mistake with, with her. But I, I would like her to kind of have her own, you know, her own meal here as far as the yeah. storyline. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. And and, and I, I did really love the match. Um, but it's just one of those things where it's like, I feel like we're constantly getting these types of matches, especially from the women's division uh, in NXT. And it just kind of loses its, uh, I don't know, like it, it wasn't my favorite match of the week. And when you're taking bumps like that, it should be. Is it, does that make any sense? It's like, I, it's I so violent. You're, saying, yeah. you're killing each other. And it's like my third favorite match of, or fourth favorite match of the week. That's not good. Right. Well, I okay. love like, I love cyber Sundays and, and taboo Tuesdays and those type of like audience, like, decides what kind of match this should be the only problem with having a spin the wheel as that type of match is that they're all going to be brutal all the options are going to be brutal so like you're getting a blow-off feud match even when the feud doesn't need a blow-off yet it was rough because it's the same week as the hell in a cell match with with sasha and bailey and there were certain moments like when when uh candace was setting up the ladder across between the ring and the announce table i'm like this feels very redundant in in a lot of ways i was surprised at the finish I thought for sure this is how they were taking the title uh, off of her and, and putting it on Candice, that they were going to do John, Johnny and Candice as the, the couple with gold. And then you had the the opportunity with the the scream mask interference with, I'm guessing it was Indy Hartwell. Um, and then they just didn't do it. And, and now it, it felt like a, a missed opportunity because you have Rhea Ripley established. You have Ember Moon established. There's plenty of, and Shotzi Blackheart. There's lots of women that could have been chasing Candice and now they all kind of have to wait because there's a baby face champion. Yeah, a little weird. And it would have been a cool way to end the night with Johnny and uh, Candace together with, with their titles. All right, guys, we're going to uh, skip ahead a little bit and get in Greg Hyde from the Cheap Heat podcast. He hosts with Peter Rosenberg. Zach's going to invite him on in. Joining us from the Cheap Heat podcast. You know him as Stack Guy Greg. The world knows him as Greg Hyde. What's going on, Greg? Thanks for coming on the show. What's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me. What's up, man? Nice to meet you. Nice we're to gonna, meet you guys, Scott, Robert. Scott, Robert. Uh, you've been on our show before, back in the day when it was just me. Uh, it's it's evolved. It's it's a whole universe now. Expanded. You expanded the universe. <laughs> um, we're going to go right into number four. AEW video game applies for trademarks. So this is definitely coming out. Um, are you guys excited? First off, Greg, are you a video game guy? I forget. I am a I am a video game guy. I just were you a wrestling on, video game guy? I am, and so AEW has a good opportunity right here with this with this video game because people have been disappointed with uh, 2K 2K20. I didn't even get Battlegrounds. I don't know what what type of reception yeah, that did has you got. get 2K20? Because I've heard just horror stories about it. I did. I did. And it was, so I, I love 2K20 so much that I kept playing 2K19. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> how... <laughs> well, what are the updates? I mean, I, cause I know WWE, like they barely update the games, right? It's just right. a different roster. And that's exactly what it felt like. It felt like they barely updated the game. And then, you know, it was just, it was, it didn't play as well. 
Um, they updated the controls a little bit. So I just went back to 2K19. I was already used to it. I had my creative wrestlers in there. I had a faction. So I just went back. I, I stopped after like seven years after Bring the Pain when I was mm-hmm. still going back to play Bring the Pain. I was like, wait, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, exactly. And, and that's why I say AEW has a, has a good opportunity here because as long as they can get the roster right and I think the, you know, the gameplay right and the controls, people are going to be real forgiving with everything else. Um, if the graphics are right and the mechanics are right, then they can, they can come and you know, plant their flag yeah, I'd much rather have just a game that operated like No Mercy than a million different, you know, like uh, campaigns that you can go on. Yeah. And, I, and that's kind of what they've hinted at, right? It's like they, they constantly reference No Mercy for the N64 as kind of what they're going to be going for. Uh, part of me worries about that because I go like, oh, are you going to try to do some throwback shit where the graphics are kind of uh, botchy too? That's like a super popular thing, right? With like games like uh, like Undertale and shit, where it looks like a retro game. But yeah, I think the the idea behind No Mercy, and that was my my note in terms of what they need to do to make it good. No Mercy was was the best wrestling game probably ever made in terms of grappling, in terms of control, in terms of gameplay. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge gamer. I was a huge wrestling gamer. Uh, and played all those and and no mercy is a game you can go back to now in 2020 and still play it and it's still wildly entertaining and it's a lot of fun to do you had they had a ton of of different options uh it was built on the i believe like the original fire pro modeling for it uh and it was a home run i think that if AEW, if they're all such passionate video game nerds this is their opportunity to to capture the market because those WWE 2K games were very, very clunky and, and were not fun. And if AEW can make a fun game like No Mercy, I think they're going to blow it out of the water. Yeah, but they, they can't I, neglect the graphics, though. Like, the graphics have to be updated. I don't think they could take a step back for, like, their first foray into this. But yeah, I agree. There's a big opportunity here. I also think – this is going to sound dumb. I think they're going to add, like – silly like adventure levels like i think oh, they're i gonna... hope not man i hope yeah. it's not like, like Dude, help, I'm help, telling help you. michael nakazawa find the lotion i don't need that <laughs> oh no no i mean like side scrolling levels like i think there's gonna i think you're gonna like you know ride in the uh in the golf cart like kind of like you know you would in like mario or something like i think they're gonna have these weird little additions that because omega is like heavily involved and he loves shit like that i i, I think you're gonna get like Oh, there's going to be a level with Kenny Omega destroying a car like Street Fighter 2. 100%. Yeah. He's that not going to be cool. able to resist. That would they're, be they're cool. But I hope he does a better – I mean, I just hope he does a better job with the video game than he has with his women's division. Yeah, because <laughs> I was going to say, that that would be a big mistake too because they have this opportunity. And if they do what they're doing with Dynamite, which is like putting on the show that they would want to see versus what fans generally want to see or cast the wide net, it, it's going to flop. It really is. I think it's going to be one storyline mode and it's all Dark Order. You become the <laughs> lowest member of Dark Order and you fight your way up to fight Brody Lee. And that's the whole. <laughs> Brody Lee wasn't on last night, which we'll, which we'll talk about later on. Mr. Brody Lee. Mr. Brody yes, Lee. Yes, thank you. So, yeah, you're more of an NXT guy than an AEW guy, right, Greg? Yeah, I'm, more, I'm like more of the WWE ecosystem than really anything else. So do you even fuck with AEW at all? 
or no? A little bit, a little bit. You got to know your enemy. You know what I mean. You got to. You got to know your enemy. You got. You got. You got to see how they maneuver and over there. You know? uh, I, I'm. I'm trying to think what would ruin the game, and you know, I, I think that if they do it at all, like any of the last two Ks, like I, I also don't think you need. You just need to not make it a fighting game, like a Mortal Kombat or a Street Fighter. They, they need to make it a grappling game, like Robert was saying. Like it shouldn't be hard. It should be very easy to do a Stone Cold Steve Stunner in this game. I think that that's mm -hmm. the thing that No Mercy had it. So it's like, this is not a video game for people who want to get good at video games. This is a video game for people who like professional wrestling. Exactly. As opposed to Battleground where you can get eaten by an alligator. Which <laughs> I thought also... seemed stupid until there was the Braun Strowman Bray Wyatt match. I was like, oh, fuck, someone actually was going to get eaten by an alligator. <laughs> Dude, can we talk about Braun's new gear? It's just, I mean, I've, I've brought this up a couple times, but... Oh my God! It's just yeah. Like, what is he supposed to be like a military? I guess like the guy at the, the mercenary range who fucks your wife. I'm not sure. Like he doesn't. Yeah. He does not look like he doesn't even look like a, at least like those um. What's it, who are the guys that got in trouble for saying they were pro Trump? Um, oh, the forgotten boys. Sons. The forgotten. Oh, oh, forgotten. At least they look like a crazy Ruby Ridge Waco. Like those are guys that I could see on a compound. You know, like talking to me about my like my amendment rights and shit. Braun Strowman yeah. doesn't even look like that. He's just like, yeah, it, no. it's like, I, I just, this is what was left in my trailer. No, I think I said, I said like, on the Patreon, he, he looks like a steel worker in a musical. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. nothing about him that looks authentic. <laughs> steel worker in a musical. It's so sad too. It's like ever since Roman showed up and told him like he wasn't a monster, it's like he believed it. He just became <laughs> like a guy. Ron was great uh, on Raw because he wasn't on. So it was fantastic. He yeah. didn't kick anyone in the nuts. He didn't wear ill-fitting gloves and a tiny t-shirt. It was perfect. Number four, make Miz a realistic WWE champion. We all remember what happened during the last run. Uh, he beat Randy Orton, and then he ended up headlining WrestleMania 27, although really it was uh, the best of three series with Rock and Cena's first uh, meeting, even though they weren't meeting in the ring, headlining that WrestleMania. If you had to put the title on Miz again, uh, what would you do to fix this run? We'll start out with you, Greg. How could you avoid I mean, some of the pitfalls from his last WWE Championship run? Honestly, you do it just like you do it just like the last one. You do it just like the last one. He has Jonathan Mor John Morrison there, yeah. so that can be like his heater a little bit to help him keep the title. Um, he has more credibility, so it wouldn't be it wouldn't come as out of left field as it did ten years ago, which is crazy to say that he was champion. 10 years ago it is crazy. Uh, I, don't even, I don't even think he's 40 yet um so that just shows you how how early they they gave him the strap but yeah this time around he can go on the mic he has some credibility he has a bunch of accolades um you do it just like last time let him yeah, be that I, asshole champion chicken shit um running around being cowardly and holding on to his championship like he did last time I agree with you. I think he's like a totally different person now. I mean, back then, everybody hated his guts. Like, all mm -hmm. you heard was rumors from the locker room that he wasn't allowed to change with them, that he was an outsider. He was from MTV. He had no business being there. And so you didn't want to see him in that position because he didn't deserve to be in that position. Now it's like my advice for the next run is like, just give him the mic. He's fucking yep. great on the mic. Let him be a worm. Let him run around. Let him have his rants. Let him get red in the face. Yeah, do it just like that. Only have him with the championship. And honestly, throw 
throw all your heavy hitters at them. Throw Randy yeah. back at them. Throw Drew. Throw Braun. Throw Keith Lee. And let Miz somehow come out still champion. But still give us the uh, the 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 Nas uh, hype video before yes. his, his match. Oh, that was that, awesome. That was perfect. Yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. I I, I don't know if um. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do with him because they already had him job to Drew pretty definitively on Monday. Like, they already knocked that out. I, I mean, I guess if you have him win again, but it seems like the program they're going to go with is the Fiend, Randy Orton, and Drew, which I'm fine with. Uh, you know, I'm, I think it's, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about the Money in the Bank briefcase, right? That's the beautiful thing about it. It's, it's a giant gold reset button. Nothing that happens to The Miz before he pushes the button matters. And honestly, it's even better for his character if he just gets kicked further and further down the card because as soon as he cashes in, he's at the top. Yeah, that's and, true. and I also think him, him coming off like that with Drew, it helps Drew because Drew isn't going to be in the title picture in my eyes. I don't think he's getting it back. And so when Miz finally does get it, you have Drew being like, well, I, I've always kicked your ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, right. I mean, I, I thought during the pay-per-view they should have put the title on Miz when he won the briefcase. Um, if if we have to do it in a way to to fix it a little bit, I think that the the way to do it is you, you set this up. We talked about back when we were talking about who should be on Raw for the draft. I said Miz has to be on Raw because he has Miz and Misses on USA Network. He has Wipeout on USA Network. He has Raw on USA Network. So you need to make him the USA Network's superstar that the network has invested in him and his success. So he can constantly go out there that he's the face of the network. He's, he's the, he's the face of the brand. He's the most important person there is. And USA network has shelled out money. And now he has Daba Kato as his, as his heater with John Morrison so that you have to get through these other guys just to get your hands on Miz and somehow, some way Miz winds up winning. And by him being the face of the establishment and the establishment's not WWE, it's USA network and how valuable he is as a property to them, I think is, is a great way to keep him as an obnoxious heel. I mean, yeah, you, could, you could, um, oh, holy shit, there's a, well, I'll, I'll, I'll name this on our next one, but you could name him, you could just have him parody the Jericho character and like just make it all about like demo and how we're beating him in this thing. And um, I don't know, and it would also be kind of funny because Jericho's given Miz shit saying that his whole run as a WWE champion was ripped off from J- Chris Jericho, which I actually didn't think was true at all. Like looking at both I don't characters. think so either. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. just douchebag in a suit. Yeah, it's, it's everybody. Okay, so <laughs> now I kind of want this because I want every time Miz is out there for there to be a stock ticker at the bottom for him showing the ratings for every week during his segments. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah, got to be worked great. though. Like it got to show it jump up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. When he says like a shocking thing. Uh. <laughs> Um, all right, number um, we're at number five. We did this segment last week. It's called Light Side of the Ring. We 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 talk about um, all the tragic things that go on in wrestling almost uh, every every week. So we wanted to talk about some some positive ones. Here here's one for me. Apparently, and this was just announced while we were doing this podcast, is that there is a multi part Netflix documentary series about Vince McMahon coming out. Yeah, I saw that too. I think Bill Simmons is involved. Um, Netflix apparently 
threw a big, big bag at WWE and finally got Vince to to do the one thing that I didn't think we'd ever see him do, which is talk about his life of all the documentaries that we that we got. Is it also called The Last Ride? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on how big the check is. Well, I, I'm wondering if he's, I mean, if he has anything to do with it. He almost won his, um, well, I guess, yeah. I mean, WWE, you know, the chief revenue officer, Nick Khan, no, no, uh, no reference to the, no, no relation to the Khan family. Uh, I guess, I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess that they're, they're part of it. Bill Simmons is producing it. And you think that like, how much are they, if WWE is involved, how much are they willing, able, how many rocks are they willing to turn over? That's my only question. Um, not, not many, but it'll be a great story still. Yeah. Yeah, but also, I mean, how do you film him during this time? Well, it's actually the easiest thing to film during this time because it's just, you know, one person being interviewed and one person in the room. And he's a mutant. Yeah, but then it's it's like, oh, no. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like like every week it's like, oh, no, our our NXT rookies now have to quarantine for two weeks. Like, how do you not address all these things happening? They won't be anywhere near this documentary. (laughs) No. <laughs> no, no worries there's so much the thing is there's so much to talk about with that guy is that like you could do you could do a 10-part series just on the 80s and then yeah, and, and then move in and here's the thing too we, we we see what we see on tv and like on the network and all these documentaries there's no telling how much footage we haven't seen and what vince has been just documenting for himself that he might have like stashed away it's so just, who knows it's just people in wheelchairs not being able to get in the building. It's all this really <laughs> yeah. like stuff, fucked up shit that only Vince would be into. What I think is great is you're definitely not going to get a moment of like, this is where I go to calm down and like him like <laughs> on a mountain. Like that is not Vince's nah. life. There is nowhere he goes. It's just him like strangling a hooker somewhere. That's <laughs> closest to him like it's, finding It's peace. thousands of hours of him working out and tanning. It's basically Jersey Shore. Um, but he's slightly richer. Uh, he's very controlling. There, There is not a piece of footage that exists of Vince McMahon that he doesn't want you to have seen. Um, yep. So th- there, this is this is going to be the, the least revealing uh, document. Like this is this is a uh, a documentary on Hitler produced by Hitler. You're getting all the best. <laughs> uh, Episode four, how I beat the government when they tried to say that people in my company were taking steroids. <laughs> None of my guys steroids. Next episode. Chapter nine, Mark Marrow should have worked. Like <laughs> yeah. Clearly just, just all his gripes. Um, all right. Well, Greg, how, thank how you. Great. Wait, what, what, what if there's like a see no evil clause in it where he has to have like a four foot dick? <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Has, of course he has a four foot dick. Why do you think he always wears pants? And giant grapefruits. <laughs> Never seen that man in shorts. <laughs> All right, Greg, uh, we're going to go back into some topics that you have not seen, which are, you know, dynamite and stuff like that. But is there anything you want to promote before we uh, we sign you off here? Just the Cheap Heat podcast, man. Every week, uh, me and Rosenberg, uh, you can find it on iTunes. It's Cheap Heat with Peter Rosenberg. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, at StatGuyGreg. Um, you can find me there. If you have any issues with anything I said, I'm happy to debate you publicly on Twitter. Embarrass you. Come for the king. Don't miss. 
Yeah, you're <laughs> gonna say what? You're just gonna find out all the fucked up shit we've talked about in other podcasts. Be like, so Greg, uh, you think <laughs> Benoit didn't do it? Come, come, come for me if you dare. I welcome the challenge. It's, what else do I have to do? It's COVID, right? Quarantine. What else we got to do? Nothing to do. And you're married, right? You just got married. No, no, I'm engaged. Um, oh, congrats. We had to postpone the wedding due to COVID, so we'll get married next year, uh, November. But all right, well, uh, congratulations. Thank you. May your thank first you. child be a masculine child. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yes, Godfather. Thank you, thank you, Greg. I appreciate it, man. Thanks right. for coming Thanks, on. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming me. on, man. All right, number four, Wednesday night dynamite. I also thought a very good show. Uh, what did you guys think, Scott? We'll start it with you. I thought it was a great show. I, I will say that NXT was better this week uh, just because they recognized that it was Halloween. They recognized that I wanted to celebrate Halloween and they delivered. Uh, AEW decided to go the more political route and I thought that was the one thing I wasn't crazy about with AEW uh, and that's why NXT was better. The, the, the Jericho MJF segment was like the only thing I wasn't in love with. Everything else I was in love with. Yeah, uh, the, the yeah. Omega Penta match is maybe my favorite match of the week, and and, and I know part of that is because I'm a fucking mark for for Omega. I'm not gonna lie, but that match ruled, right? Like sometimes I'll watch a thing and I have to go like, can someone confirm this for me because my bias is fucking me up. That match was awesome, right? I liked it. Yeah, I don't know if it was. Um... Yeah, I thought it. Went, I thought it got better as it went along for sure. Um... Dude, the last the last seven minutes of that match was unbelievable. I mean, I can't believe Pentagon took his glove off and threw it at Kenny Omega. <laughs> knocking. Look, it, that match made me so angry uh, in a good way because it just showed that AEW has had Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega this whole time, and they've squandered a year of amazing matches you could have gotten. And I feel like Kenny Omega for the for the U.S. audience would be an, would have been an even bigger star if he was the central focus of their product earlier on. I feel like you, you were getting Michael Jordan playing baseball for a year. He was very good, but it wasn't world changing. And you have to remember, not everybody that watches AEW was watching New Japan and knows that Kenny Omega is one of the best fucking wrestlers that there is. No, no, no. You had you had Michael Jordan passing the ball for a year. It, he, he, he did a good thing. He helped out Hangman. He had some great, I mean, one of the best tag matches I've ever seen. Um he did his thing, and and now you're you you know you're getting this slower build. It was fucking awesome. Uh, the first match, I was not at Dynamite. I was not a huge fan of the Dynamite uh, Wardlow Hangman match for whatever reason. Um, yeah, I mean it was it was all right. You know, I just wasn't you know I wasn't I really totally blown away by that match. I liked it, man. I liked it a lot. I think you know. I mean, again, maybe I'm just being kind. But uh, both guys are fairly, you know, young in the game. And I was not expecting uh, anything at all. And so I saw them have like a super capable man. I don't I just enjoyed the hell out of it. There, there were some great, great spots. Hangman always has good spots. One thing I didn't like was Wardlow did his finisher and then rolled out fairly quickly and got up fairly quickly, which irritates me. Uh, but up the finish made Wardlow look strong because Hangman hit his finisher twice on him. Thought it was good shit, man. Did what it had to do. Wardlow's growing on me. Uh, I don't know what it is. It was his match last week, his match this week. He's he's very he's very entertaining and capable. 
And you'd think a guy with his size would be a lot clunkier uh, and a lot more embarrassing because just so many years of WWE guys that are just, he's big, let's put him in the ring. Wardlow seems to be improving. Uh, and he's he's a very, there, there's there's something to him that makes him captivating to watch. Yeah, I mean, he, and he looks awesome, obviously. He looks better than, like, almost anybody in wrestling right now. Uh, but his name is, like, the only thing I see holding him back is you go, how do you change that? Well, he's a wrestling you... wizard, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to do, you have to, like, fit it in somehow because that name just stinks. And you don't want a name change completely because he already is who he is. But yuck. Philip Wardlow. Yeah, oh, do you just Wardlow. give him a first name? Um, let's go. Let's go through uh, the rest of this. There's a lumberjack match for the TNT Championship: Cody versus Orange Cassidy. I did not love this match. I don't understand why you have the guy who's selling more merchandise than anybody else in the company. He's doing your buy-in match with with who is he going against? Sean Spears? Who is he going against? One of the uh, one of the dark water, the little dark water no, guy with the, the dark beard. Dark water guy, even worse. Yeah. Justin Silver, I understand he's like a cult favorite and everything, but why the fuck are you not having that? Why aren't you having him on the real show and instead you have Cody win? And I, I guess he kind of won in a little bit of a kabuki-ish way, but yeah, I just don't, I don't know, man. That Triple H comparison is more and more apt every week for me. Well, Co- Cody isn't, isn't really doing it for me right now, but I think the Orange Cassidy thing, it's like he had to lose. He didn't lose fairly you know the dark order did cheat um silver is popular especially on their youtube show uh the buy-in is on youtube orange cassidy is huge on the internet it's two it's two of their biggest internet guys uh at the moment i mean arguably uh and then you have them and then hopefully people tune into that and then they buy the pay-per-view that's the idea behind it i would think it makes sense to me did i think the match was awesome uh, I mean, dude, anything that ends with fucking Bart and Billy Gunn or what? what, what no, not Bart. What, <laughs> the Gun Club. Okay, but I, I did like the uh, the suplex off the top rope into the crowd. That was a yes, cool yes. spot. I'll give that one oh, dude, spot. There was a bunch of great. I'll spots. give that one spot a huge credit. The strange finish where I thought it was going to end with the Dark Order interference, and then for some reason Arn Anderson just like punches Orange Cassidy in the face. That felt a little weird. Like you didn't, you didn't need it. The whole story was that Dark Order cost Orange Cassidy the match, uh, and then afterwards, Cody's impressed by Billy Gunn being tall and having a kid. It was just, it was weird. <laughs> but I, I think something about the Cody thing—it's supposed to be a little weird. Like I, I think, and I'm especially thinking it's like, okay, you have Cody versus Darby. Uh, next Saturday, which is their and, that's a pure baby face versus a pure baby. Well, but it isn't. I, that's what I'm trying to get at. I don't think Cody is a baby face, no, and I he's... think we're gonna get more of that in his match with Darby. Uh, and that's why Arn did what he did. And uh, there's just something going on, and we just don't quite see it yet. And so it looks like shitty booking because there is shitty booking within it. It was shitty, but this was the best match on the show because QT Marshall was out there in his fancy jacket, and he's the he's the best thing going in wrestling today. I also wasn't crazy, and maybe this is just WWE, me being so used to what they do with a lumberjack match. But the lumberjacks, like every time someone got thrown out, they didn't go wild on the guy, which is why I like seeing a lumberjack match. 
Yeah, that's fair. It was a little, they, they've, they've done this before with lumberjack matches where they don't, the agents don't talk with the guys in advance of here's how this is supposed to work. I feel like there was one with Luchasaurus involved that the, the lumberjack yeah, yeah. actions didn't make a ton of sense to me. Uh, and no, you know, no. they're, but they're, they're figuring it out. Um, it was, it was a little weird. Yeah. But sons of a Cody. Cause okay. Unless Darby wins, he, cause he should win, right? Darby should win. Cause the last time it was what a draw. So you have to have Cody cheat in some way with Arn. So I, I think that's why we're all weird on Cody right now is because there's this weird, subtle heel shit going on. <laughs> Next up, we have Eddie Kingston versus Matt Seidel. Uh, I thought this was good. I mean, I thought it was a little bit... It's a little weird that, like, the, the guy that they had to build Eddie Kingston was Matt Seidel, who hasn't really been on your programming. But I guess it's not... I mean, I'm not against it either, you know. it's. I do think it, it shows that the roster may be a little bit thin, but... Look, man, I'm I'm really pumped for the for the match at Full Gear. I think the Full Gear card is. If there's anything that I took from Dynamite is that this Full Gear card is the best card they may have ever had. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, this, this card is nuts. I mean, unfortunately, the, the the Bucks revival thing it just isn't working out at all. It's it's there's no storyline. Somehow they banked on those tweets from from a few years ago, just carrying it. Uh, and it's not, and, and then it became contrived. But the match will be good. But other than that, yeah, it's like their best pay-per-view card. I will say I saw the lineup for next week, like what they've announced so far for next week's go-home show, and the, the matches aren't great. You know, it's like Scorpio versus uh, Spears, which is a thing that happened. Uh, Thank God they're not doing that on the pay though. You should have loved that, Scott. That was the Halloween moment of the show. <laughs> Scorpio yeah, was yeah, in a costume. Yeah. He's throwing candy. It was very on brand. I was like, oh, Halloween Havoc. It's no chance to the Scorpio Sky Sean Spears feud. Well, you know what? I loved – I liked the Sean Spears squash because I think they need more of things like that. Yeah. Uh, and then when it became a storyline, I was like, wait, why? There's a pay-per-view in two weeks. Just don't do that. Just it's, let the guy be powerful so for me. I also don't understand why, you know, if you have if you have Thunder Rosa, you know, it looks like she's leaving the WWE. Why why showcase your NWA World World Women's Championship through Serena Dev through a segment that was way too long? Neither of the wrestlers looks like they should have been there. Like, why not at least put some fucking fo more focus on Sheeta? Do another Fita, Sheeta package. So what Nile, I Nyla Rose package. I don't. What understand. I seem to understand was they this match was taped later um there was a yeah. women's match that they were that they had scheduled for this and then somebody got injured uh i think yeah and they plugged this in because serena deeb won the won the nwa title like two days ago and this yeah. dynamite was taped a week ago so they must have taped this at dark uh and then plugged it in here uh with the idea being that they're trying to extend this nwa relationship with with aew and give her the the spotlight and jim ross went very worked very hard to try to make Layla Hirsch seemed like she is important uh, with an 0-1-1 record. Um, Judd Hirsch is a bastard granddaughter. <laughs> I so wish that's true. There's not enough taxi in pro wrestling anymore. And, and that is exactly what happened. Apparently, uh, what Ab Abaddon, whatever her name is, which would oh, have been a that would have been a Halloween aspect of the show, I guess. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. 
she got apparently like really hurt last week and so they had to scrape the entire match they couldn't air any of it and then there was just this hole in time that they were worried about so they added that but they also like extended the beginning of the omega penta match apparently and yeah there was a cool i mean that would have been a man she's cool abaddon i, I kind of hope they do something with her you know as yeah, far as yeah, I, I think she's good stuff too she should uh, be with penta right they should they should be just ghouls together I guess. I mean, she kind of reminds me of Lady Fiend, you know? But I don't say that. <laughs> you just ruined her for Scott. <laughs> That's all right, Scott. We'll, we'll, send no... you the, uh, we'll send you the image of the two women that came out for Kenny Omega's thing dressed like Penta and Phoenix. You yeah. know that was appealing <laughs> to a certain sect of the audience. That was like, this is my fucking dream. Well, you know, I'm sitting here going, what's his entrance for the Hangman match then? Like, is he going to have these women come out? And are they going <laughs> to cowgirls? Are they, how does he get under Hangman's skin with them? They're drunk. <laughs> or they're wearing, they could be wearing like, uh, I, I guess they never even had team merch. So they could, they could be wearing BTE shirts or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Kind of lame, I guess, either way. Um, Chris Jericho and MJF held a town hall discussion. I, I, I was not, you know, considering the amount of talent that was involved in this, and I loved, I actually loved the beginning of the night where Sammy and, I think Sammy and MJF got in each other's face. <laughs> yes. That was great. Uh, I, I don't understand why they're not using that more. But I thought that this was segment that was all right. Um, I, I wonder, you know, like, obviously this, this has got to be a – this is an interesting match, right? Because, you know, you, you see that these two characters and they're without a doubt, the, you know, maybe the most like important heels that you have on your roster and the most dynamic and colorful heels. But um, do you want to see this match yet? That's my question is, do you, do you want to see these two go against each other yet? Or are we, are we kind of throwing the baby out with the bat for Is this too soon? I mean, I would have said it was too soon for sure. Uh, yet that part of the segment where Jericho was like, you haven't beat me and then challenged him. That was my favorite part of the segment. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be a short match. I think, you know, I, I, I think Jericho wants him in the inner circle. And so why try so hard to not have him in the inner circle? So I'm confused on how that match goes because they clearly like each other. So is it going to be like some awful, awful, you know, WCW lay down and I pin you type shit? I, I hope not, but I, I don't see this match going super long. No, I think it's a storyline driven match and then we'll get the real match at Revolution. Well, this pay-per-view you have Moxley and Kingston, I quit match, Omega Hangman, Kobe, Cody Darby, Darby, FTR, Young Bucks, and now Jericho, MJF. I mean, what a fun. And Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara, and an yeah, Matt Hardy, but, Sam- yeah, concussion uh. match. <laughs> concussion. Yeah, it's just a concussion protocol. It's just them backstage with the yes. doctors being like, you guys are cool to have the match. It's fine. All right. Jericho's Next. line on, on Sammy was probably the best thing of the week. The, you look like you sell Adderall to middle schoolers. Oh, was that was such so a great, great insult. But also, it's like I kind of like wanted to see. M- I, I kind of wanted to see Sammy beat MJF's ass. Like I was like, is this guy? Could this guy be a an actual face? Like, oh yeah, he will be. Yeah, I think so. Um, all right. Well, 
that was our dynamite. I don't know what guys, I, I apparently fucked up the numbers of this really bad. So we have three more things to talk about. Uh, and we will get to them in some order. One of the things that we want to talk about is Scott's, new Japan. Scott, <laughs> is Scott's, new, is Scott's new Japan corner. Scott, tell us what's going on in New Japan. Oh my goodness. Almost absolutely nothing is going on in New Japan. Power struggle is November 7th. Um, until then, you do not have much. Uh, but New Japan did set their capacity for Wrestle Kingdom. The Tokyo Dome usually uh, fits about 50,000 people in there. Uh, and now they're saying that only 20,000 are allowed in, which I know here in the States you're going, oh, no, 20,000 people in an arena. But uh, Japan is, is, doing, is doing pretty pretty well right now, and hopefully the, the winter, uh, it stays that way. So 20,000 as of now. Other than that, no real New Japan news. I mean, aside from, I don't know if you heard Jim Ross bring up Okada during uh, Omega's match with Penta, but he did say, uh, you know, that this is the Okada, you know, this is the Okada version of Omega is back, uh, which, again, references new japan which is is always a plus when it comes to talent relations number nine thunder rosa is apparently signing with wwe who else should vince try and sign i guess i'm gonna um bring up the earlier part of our podcast and say wardlow would be a really good person for them to try to sign i feel like a lot of what 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 would be good is those guys that they've positioned for prominent places in the card, but not as top guy places in the card. So, like, if they're able to make a multi-star at a Sammy Guevara, that says something about the WWE system. It, it's, it says that it's still not broken and that you can do cool things with it. So, yeah, I would be I would be hiring people like that. I would be, I would be you know, going for their, their Benoits and their Eddies and their Perry Saturns, their Radicals of the AEW group, although those are probably a little bit harder to find out just because it's a relatively new company. Scott? Well, and, and that's what's going to be interesting when it comes to AEW talent, because eventually some of them are going to leave for WWE. It's just going to happen. It's business. Uh, but I don't know a single person, I mean, a single person who's not going to get shit all over on the internet for doing so, you know? If a Jungle Boy's contract runs up in January and he goes to WWE, the internet is going to flip out on this guy. You know, it, it, it's not going to be a great look for, for a lot of these dudes. You know, you always worry, like, will MJF go to WWE? Because if I'm WWE and MJ's, MJF's contract runs up in a year or whenever it runs up, I'm offering him a couple million dollars because uh, he's worth it. And, and, and it puts a huge hole in AEW. So does WWE start doing that? Do, do they try to just, you know, missile AEW with, with, with their talent? Uh, outside of AEW talent, who, who does Vince sign? I think I, I've always said Alex Shelley is so good. I know he just got hurt at a, on Impact, but uh, Alex Shelley, I think, should have been signed. He had that, what, one NXT match with uh, Kushida as a tag team. And it was awesome. He's always been awesome. He still looks younger than like almost everybody. I know. But I don't care. He's great. He's so good. It is so it is, good. It is funny to see that like Jay Lethal is younger than him. Yeah. And also, you know, you sign Alex Shelley and then he's also a backstage hand the moment you realize, you know, it's not working out in the ring anymore. That guy's been around forever. Same with like an amazing red. Like amazing red 
deserves to be in a major company. I, I know we had like a moment in New Japan when they came to America and stuff, but he deserves a signing. And then, I mean, when it comes to AEW, dude, honestly, fucking re-sign Miro and just put him through tables every week because it's better than this shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who would have thought that uh, without a doubt, um, Lana is getting the better booking than Rusev right now. <laughs> and number 10, speaking of impact. That's Scott- fine, I'm not here. All right, Robert. Ah, sorry, sorry. Robert. sorry. I worked hard on my list, and everyone's like, "No, give us the list." No, we no, now you don't get. Now you don't get it. No, I'm kidding. No, Ed Wardlow at the top. Um, I, I would probably steal Britt Baker if they could get Britt Baker. Um, for sure. I, I think she's great. Uh, Harry Smith, if they can sign him, I think Davy Boy's kid is is fantastic. And then there's a, a real under the radar guy. You mentioned Lana. Uh, Lana and Liv Morgan have both been working with a guy I worked with in an MLW named Jason Cade, who was on a couple episodes of 205 Live. He's fucking amazing. Uh, he's making them way more talented, and I think he's somebody they should definitely take a look at and try to sign. Jason Cade. Jason Cade. Come on a show, Jason. <laughs> we'll ruin your chances like of ever getting crazy. signed. It's like, <laughs> hey guys, thanks for being here. Tell me, how much do you Finally. fucking this? Scott sent me um, Scott sent me this clip from Impact this past week. We don't really cover Impact on the show. Every, every once in a while, we'll talk about it. Uh, but in this episode, I guess it was like a who shot JR, but it was who shot Johnny Bravo. This is how little I know about Impact right now. Some guy named Johnny Bravo was getting married. The lights went down, the lights went up, and he was shot in the chest. So what the yeah. fuck is going on in Impact right now, Scott? Um. So Johnny Bravo, not the Cartoon Network Johnny Bravo. It's actually John E. Bravo. <laughs> uh, yeah, he got married to Rosemary. Rosemary, was, was she the tampon person? No, was that was Priscilla Kelly. Priscilla Kelly. That was Priscilla. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, he married Rosemary um, on Impact Wrestling. Everybody, the whole locker room is out there. Tommy Dreamer, blah, 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 blah. Lights go out boom lights go on johnny bravo is shot in the ring and not like in the leg screaming not like in the arm in pain no like in the heart he appears to be dead johnny bravo was shot it reminds me of a one time i went to a i think i've mentioned this on the podcast but it was like a a black label something uh Black, it's some clothing company also has like a wrestling company or vice versa. A wrestling company sells t-shirts at Hot Topic, and like the the general manager came out and got his throat slit, and like fake blood spurt all over the place. This is like the hokiest, most awful shit you've ever seen. And then Tommy Dreamer kneels down and is like, "Who shot Johnny?" <laughs> <laughs> Like in La Bamba when, it, uh, when his brother finds out that <laughs> Oh, man. It, it, it's, I mean, everybody needs to see this. This is botchamania without like a botch occurring. It's just bad. It's just bad. So bad that it's good. Uh, you got to watch it. Please check it out. It's absolutely hilarious. You know what? It worked. It got us to talk about impact. <laughs> yeah wow i'm so glad we don't do that thank you so much dan for never mentioning <laughs> there was a time i don't remember this is scott like during the real horrible days of the pandemic i'm like should we also add impact 
I really thought about I don't that. Care who, I don't care who they sign. I, I, I know, you know, Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows are there. I think they're great. Uh, Alex Shelley is there. I think he's great. There's They've a got a good guys. roster, man. It's Rich just... Swan, Eric Young, a lot of good guys. Yeah, yeah. They always have a good roster. They always have a good roster, but there's just something missing. It, it, it's it's that thing with wrestling. It's like there's so many factors that go into a great show, and they miss so many of the marks. I, uh, I can't follow more than three companies with wrestling. I can't follow WWE, yeah, no, AEW, or New Japan. I can't follow any more than that. There's just oh, no way. Oh, yeah. No, it's, no it's almost impossible. All right, guys. Uh, this week, our Patreon, Scott's taking it over. We've got what is it the, the the world's spookiest matches yeah we we don't know exactly what we're gonna call it because world's <laughs> spookiest matches kind of sounds like shit we'll figure it out but uh we're gonna do kane undertaker inferno match we're gonna do a bunch of uh you know horrifying matches uh <laughs> well, do you have any of them now just so like, people can like watch them before the show uh it's going to be a pain in the ass to find two of them that i picked but we're definitely going to do the taker kane inferno match, match. Yeah, we're going to do uh, one Halloween Havoc match that's like Frankenstein's lair match or something insane. Uh, yeah, we're going to have fun with it. We might have a New Jack match in there, too, All right. if uh, if we so allow it. Uh, so, yeah, definitely check it out. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll post it on when we uh, post the Instagram. Yeah, I'll post it on the Instagram. I'll post yeah. it on the Instagram. Post it on the Instagram. All the matches, yep. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be for ad-free shows. I'm interviewing Francine on Sunday, childhood crush. Uh, so if you're don't tell her that, don't tell her that. No, I'm not. I've actually legally they've made me sign a, a waiver saying I'm not allowed to mention that. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I'll be doing that. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'll have some new videos. There's to be getting cut up from Instagram coming out soon, and that's about it, guys. Thank you. Happy Halloween! Holy shit. Yeah, then Robert, anything to plug? Uh, follow me on Twitter at WWE Creative underscore ISH. Uh, make sure between now and Tuesday you vote. Uh, and uh, yeah, happy Halloween. Four more years. Four <laughs> <laughs> of the podcast. I am. Um, I'm actually. I'm going to be. Uh, well, I, I did a lot of calls yesterday, but I'm supposed to be canvassing next week. We'll see. I'm kind of nervous of getting shot though. So. Just Tommy Dreamer kneeling over you. <laughs> Who shot Dan? <laughs> Zach? Watch your goddamn hands. Did there Mike Warrens ever tell the Tommy Dreamer roast story on this show? No, but we should have him on for it. Uh, all right. Well, I, I, I'm going to butcher it, but apparently, like, Tommy, he was on a roast with Tommy Dreamer, and every time Tommy bombed, he would just go, like, I'm the hardcore legend, Tommy Dreamer. And then everybody would cheer. Like he had certain things he would try to say to get a pop because the jokes weren't working. <laughs> Pretty great. Great, man. All right, guys. Talk to you soon.